Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Hoop Show. So, for the people that know me, they're thinking, what is Tyler doing right now? And that's fair. Because this is kind of stupid. But I have some time. I wanted to talk about basketball. So, I'm going to talk about some basketball. Hoop Show, by the way, no one's wondering this, but Hoop Show, Norm MacDonald had this old show called Sports Show. And I always thought that was funny, even though it was kind of stupid, but I thought if I ever had something like that, I'd be like, yeah, it's Hoop Show. So that's a little little homage uh, to one of my favorite comedians ever. So, But let's talk some basketball. So today is May 18th, and so that means yesterday was the draft lottery. And I thought... So so let's let's go over some general thoughts about this. So the Magic get number one, good for them, but I have no I have no good feelings about them. Why? Because they have they they haven't had a good thing happen to them in a long time, right? Like they made the uh, first round for like four straight years, and that was cool because they always got at least one win. They weren't just like one of these teams that just made the first round and then were like bad. They were they were always one of these teams. It's like, oh hey, they beat Toronto in Game One. That's kind of cool. That was a cool moment watching DJ Augustine <laughs> randomly hit a game-winning three against the eventual champions. That's kind of cool. And then they also beat the Bucks that one year, one time, in the bubble when the Bucks imploded. Well, not imploded. They just ran into Jimmy Butler when he was. Maybe the best, although you could argue the playoff run he's having right now is pretty darn good. But my but my current favorite version was that 2020 Jimmy Butler. But anyway, enough, it's just like general magic talk. So who I think they should take with the first pick. It doesn't really matter which one, but it just does not have to be Chet. Any one of the top three, but do not take Chet Holmgren. I, I'm going to talk more about Chet here in a minute. But I really don't, like, trust him. Like, he could be good. I could very well just be wrong. Because he has everything, right? He has, like, all the tall person stuff that, like, a NBA scout, modern NBA scout is looking for. Like, he's tall, he can shoot, he's got good rim protection, he's mobile, you know. But it's just watching him, it just, I didn't, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a bad feeling about it. The vibes aren't right. Let, let me tell you, though who the vibes are right for, Jabari Smith. If you watched him play at Auburn, the vibes are off the chart. Jabari Smith is awesome. He, I don't know if he's the next Kevin Durant, like some of his comps say, you know. Like, they just see a tall guy that can shoot, and who's like 6'10". He's not like Chet Holmgren tall guy that can shoot, but like tall guy that's like a little, not as tall as some of the bigs. And then they're just like Kevin Durant easy but if you watch him play you see a little bit of it like the turnaround jumpers he can shoot oh my god he can shoot like some I, I don't know the exact percentage but it's like over 40 percent from three so i think you know you could make the argument for him or paolo or paolo bancaro paolo bancaro is also awesome like either one of those i really don't care for the magic as long as it's as long as it's not jet home that would be terrible I think that would really suck. OKC, same thing. Either one of the two. Paolo 
or Jabari, whichever one has not been taken. Or if the Magic are stupid and take Chet number one, then sure. Either then they got you know then they got tons of options. They whatever they want there. But I think it's got to be number one and number two. I don't care who goes first. I don't think there's a clear like number one out of these three, especially not out of these two. Paolo or Jabari, they're both that you could convince me either one should be number one or you could convince me either one should be number two. I just think my general philosophy is that if Chet Holmgren goes in the top two, then someone's not, I don't, I don't like that for whoever took that. Um, Houston Rockets, they, if, if for some reason, not if for some reason, it's likely, I'm saying like, I personally don't like Chet Holmgren that much, but I feel like NBA executives probably know more than me and they kind of like him. So maybe that could put him in the top three. But I'm just saying, if if Chet goes in the top three, or top two, I should say, um, Houston must take Paolo. Like, he's the much better option for them versus, like, um, uh, versus Jabari. Like, they have, they need a little bit more creation, right? They have Jalen Green, and who a lot of people felt kind of, you know, iffy, iffy on, because his start to the season was kind of bad. Kind of bad, it's an, not in strong enough description of how bad he was at the start but towards the end he looked really really good like 20 points per game kind of efficient you know not kind of efficient it was pretty it was pretty efficient like not like the most efficient wasn't Kyrie Irving in terms of guard efficiency but it was like oh yeah this guy's he's not terrible he's not shooting zero percent from the field and so I like I like Jalen Green who I'm not sold on is KPJ as a point guard, so I could also see them taking Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey would kind of rock. Imagine like how athletic that'd be. I mean, KPJ's already super athletic, so they already have one of the more athletic, bouncy backcourts, but like, imagine if it was good. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get at. Because KPJ, he's he's not bad, right? Like, he he's not terrible, but I don't think he's like a starting point guard. If anything, if he's starting, he's a shooting guard. And Jalen Green is not going to play point guard. At least I don't think. I can't remember if he did at the end. He may have had like a little point guard run at the end, which is what made him good. But in my mind's eye, I don't see Jalen Green as like some point guard, Chris Paul type. Obviously, there's not a lot of people that can do what Chris Paul does normally, not in the playoffs. <laughs> or his most recent playoff game, I should say. But um, I, I think Jaden Ivey would work too. But if Paolo's available, I think that's got to be him. It would just, the ball create, the creation from the wing that would open up stuff for, like, Jalen Green. That'd be incredible, right? Like, imagine Paolo doing some, like, dribbling up top, and they send a double at him because he's he's tall and big, and he's going to, like, start posting up, and Jalen Green back cuts, and it's, like, some super insane lob. Or they don't double him, and Paolo just, like, takes a three or something, right? Like, that'd just be cool. I think it'd be really cool. I think it'd be, I think, let me, let me start over. I think the vibes would be great. <laughs> and I think the basketball would be great, which two most important things, vibes over everything though. Um, Sacramento, I think, okay, if my, if my hatred of Chet 
I won't say hatred. That's strong. But it is starting to seem like I'm a Chet hater. You could probably classify me as that. I, but anyway, if Chet, if my Chet dislikement <laughs> uh, is true for NBA executives too, and he's still available at four, there's no way he doesn't go past four, right? Like he's top, if anything, if he's not just top three, he's definitely top four, right? But I, I think it would just be so perfect for the Kings, right? Like, like it would be very Kings, right? Like, you remember Porzingis? We all remember Porzingis. How he went to number four, and people were like, this guy sucks, I've never heard of this guy before, and it turned out he was really good. I could see that happening for him, for Chet on the Kings. He could have like a Porzingis type experience, which I think would be kind of funny, right? Because it's like, the Kings finally do something good, but we all mock it initially. We'll, we'll clown them. We'll be like, we'll be like, Chet sucks. The Kings are gonna king, and there's all the you know, all the memes from the Reddit are gonna be posted, and Kings fans are gonna go missing suddenly because they're <laughs> they're just not gonna be active on social media anymore. Um, it, or I could just see him being bad and all of the hatred being valid, <laughs> which I think would be more likely. But it could work out, you know. Him being, I think making him your number one guy, which is kind of what he'd be in most of these situations, right? Well, not number Well, no, I guess I'm totally wrong on that, right? Like, Orlando, Orlando would be the closest thing, right? Like, Cole Anthony, um, all their other guys, right? None of them scream, like, superstar. Like, some of them could be really good. But none of them scream superstar or have... Even on, like, OKC, they already have some guy that's a star, right? SGA. He can be something, right? He can be something real. Josh Giddy. Those are two guys that are going to be above above him on the pecking order immediately. And there's going to be other guys, too. And especially on Houston, too. Like, Jalen Green, KPJ. Uh, these are all guys. Both these guys are guys that are going to be on the, the shot-taking pecking order above him. And Sacramento would be probably the lowest amount of pressure for him, right? Like, he would probably be the starting... I don't know if they'd start him and Sabonis. Because that'd be kind of... I don't know. It'd be a lot to... That, that'd be a lot. That'd be kind of similar to, like, um, the Miles Turner situation. Maybe I, I, maybe you could compare it to that. And that famously had a lot of people on either side being like, trade Miles, trade... Sabonis. I don't know if it worked, but it might be interesting. But I, I could see it kind of being like a Miles Turner situation, right? Miles Turner, a guy that can block shots and shoot threes. I don't know if that's an exact Chet <laughs> comparison, but it's not. It's not terrible, right? And then, but then you have Fox. I don't know. I think he'd be okay on the Kings, though. I think that'd be a good situation for him, right? Because it's. Because I, I, I think on the Magic, they'd ask him to be, like, either the number two slash one B shot taker. And I don't think that's what he is. I don't think that's what... He might be that, but I don't see him being that, personally. So, that's what I think. That's I, Personally, I only have takes on the big four of the of the draft. Of, uh, of the you know, uh, Chet, Jabari, and Paolo, and Ivy. Those are the ones I only really have thoughts on. I didn't watch a lot of these other guys. Especially, I didn't watch Shade and Sharp at all. No one did. Because I think that's so bogus <laughs> of, of not playing at all. Being in college. 
being available for the draft this whole time. It's not like he was just at home, like how uh, Mitchell Robinson did a few years ago, right? Where he was like, um, he was just at home. Didn't go. He graduated high school and just stayed at home. Didn't go to college or anything, and then just practiced there. Where it's like, okay, that makes sense. That's like different. He he's not uh, making himself available to a stage, so we don't expect it. We'll go off that. That's fair. But Shaden Sharp was in college and was available to play. <sighs> Why was he not playing? Personally, I wasn't mad about it because I do not like Kentucky. But you know, we didn't see him at all, and now he's going to probably go top five or top four, top however however much you want to like project Shaden Sharp because. It could be anything. You could project him number one or number, like, 14, and a lot of people would... And would anyone have any reason to say, no, that doesn't make sense? No, because we didn't see him play. We saw he was number one in high school, but we've seen plenty of times where the number one guy in high school sucks in college and ruins his draft stock. What was the guy who played on the Bucks as, like, a... He mostly a G League guy and then got minutes. I can't remember his name. But then, there's definitely Harry Giles, right? I mean, he had injuries, which is different. But it's a similar kind of situation of something where it's like, oh, this guy's going to be awesome, and then he's not. And then, but but we try to play him on the college stage, and it turns out he sucks still. So, you know, I don't see how Shaden Sharp is much different situation than that. Uh, I'm going to pull up... For the next little segment, I'm going to pull up Kevin O'Connor's big draft board. I'm going to talk about that a little bit because he, he probably knows a little bit more about it than I do. Because he, 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 Kevin O'Connor, we respect to Kevin O'Connor. He's, he's a NBA guy from the ringer. We all, we all know him. We all love him. Except it's only me that knows him. Yeah, I'm okay. Love is a strong word. So KOC first thing about Kevin O'Connor is that he's going to love Chet Holmgren, right? So in his little big board, his little big board, he has um, Chet going number one, which <laughs> the complete opposite of what I was saying. So maybe I'm wrong, but also I could, I could just be besting, you know, let's not, I could be having my rookie debut here and then having my like uh, Michael Carter Williams moment where he's actually really stupid, but in his rookie debut, he had a really good moment where he said, don't take Chet number one, and everyone was like, what? And turns out he was right. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But Kevin O'Connor has Chet going number one, which I, of course, don't like. Jabari going to the Thunder. Love. I think that's great. Paolo going number three to the Rockets. Hmm. Yeah, that's something I, that's something I said that I liked. But maybe... I was pretty adamant about it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Shaden Sharp going to the Kings. I have no thoughts on this. I have no thoughts because... <laughs> what the heck, man? What the heck, Shaden Sharp? What What's he say? Moving up to the fourth pick puts him in a fascinating position. Huh. Yeah, they have a lot of guards. I don't. Well, he's a wing technically, but he's six six one seventy five. Is he gonna be that much of a wing, or is he gonna be more? Is he gonna have to grow into it? I mean, because he's not gonna be just straight up small forward. Jaden Ivey going to the Pistons. Yeah, I kind of see it. I mean, Jaden Ivey going to number five is kind of wild. Because I definitely, the way I viewed it this whole time is that it's like. 
Jet, Jabari, Paolo, Ivy. Like, there's the nucleus of the three. Like, those got to be somewhere in the top three. Which I've fallen a little bit out of love with Chet. And then, um, and then Ivy. And then there's some kind of drop-off after that, right? Like, it's clear number three, top three. And they're clear number four. And after that, anything, anything goes. So him going to number five, which is only one spot below where I'd probably put him, is kind of, you know, it's not that big a disservice to him, but it's like, eh. They already have Cape Cunningham, which, I mean, if you're going to make Jaden Ivey off-ball, then that could probably work. Maybe. I mean, Jaden Ivey would have to be more of a shooting guard than the guard, the point guard that he played in college. Excuse me. Um, but which, which might work. He could definitely be like a... This is definitely uh, me projecting a little bit here. He could definitely be like a... Dwayne Wade type that's an overestimation but like a similar style right he needs to gain some weight needs to be a little bit bulkier but he could definitely do something like that off the ball which might be cool right like if Jay Nivey becomes like he his current comp is like John Morant but if he's not playing point guard then could he just be get beefier and then play Dwayne Wade light that'd be kind of cool he also has a little bit of a three point shot so that might make him might make him pretty good. It says here that he's his uh, Kevin O'Connor's comparison to him is Donovan Mitchell, which Donovan Mitchell has so many moves in his bag. I'd have not seen Jaden Ivey do something like that. Like like Donovan Mitchell had had handles, had insane handles coming into the draft. Like rookie year, Donovan Mitchell was still putting moves on everybody. So I don't see I don't see Donovan that much because he's he's taller than him. They're probably similarly athletic, although Donovan's pretty athletic. That's kind of, kind of unfair, but whatever, whatever. Enough Jaden Ivey. He has Keegan Murray of Iowa going to the Pacers. I don't know much about Keegan Murray. I watched him a little bit. I watched him in the tournament, I think. And um, I mean, he makes sense. He's kind of an older one, twenty-one point eight years old, point <laughs> eight years. Um, forward 6'8", 215. I know he could shoot the three. He's kind of got, he kind of reminds me like he's just a off-ball guy. He's never going to, I don't know if he'll be like a, a Paul George type, right? Like Paul, well, that's tall expectations that I'm giving him. But, you know, he definitely is someone that could be, maybe Chris Middleton's more fair. I think he could be a Chris Middleton type, which Chris Middleton's good. But, I mean, really good, but I think I could see it. I don't think he's like physical enough to be a what who Kevin O'Connor compares him to. Pascal Siakam. Pascal's pretty like physical. That's what he does. I don't see Keegan Murray being that. Not immediately. Maybe he could grow into that later, but I think coming in, he's definitely like Chris Middleton, C C tier Chris Middleton before he's. Uh, D tier Pascal Siakam. I think his he, okay. So Kevin O'Connor has AJ Griffin going number seven to Portland, which I think sucks. <laughs> I think that sucks so bad for Portland because, like, I mean that's probably a fair like projection because AJ Griffin wasn't bad, but ugh, I just don't like that. Like the Portland Trailblazers sucked this whole year. 
in hopes of getting a good pick and they get seven, which isn't historically a great pick, but it's not it's not like twelve or something where it's like okay, we've definitely gotten out of the top tier talent pool, but seven is like okay maybe someone could slip right. But getting AJ Griffin at number seven, oh man, he's just Kevin O'Connor says three and D role player. That's it. Is he nothing more than like, you know, Tony Snell, <laughs> but like on steroids? Not um not even good steroids. Like, <laughs> just AJ, just Tony Snell with a higher vertical. That's about it, right? And a weirdly like large shot base. It looks so funky. <laughs> I think that's terrible. He says three point shooting Jimmy Butler. That's his comparison. You are that's really high praise because Jimmy Butler with a three point shot is like <laughs> that's incredible. That's that's I can't see that. No, I think that sucks, and I think it's probably what could happen. I don't think I, again. I'm not knocking Kevin O'Connor for his projection here. I'm saying. Oh my god, that would be terrible for Portland. <laughs> they would they need to take someone else. Not not a guard, definitely. And he's not a guard, right? He's a wing. But gah, get a big or something. You can't play Yusuf Nurkic or uh or any other other bigs. They don't have any other bigs. <laughs> they don't have any bigs. I would go with I'd go with a big man of some sort. Jalen Duran at seven would rock for Portland. I think that'd be a great pick. Way, way better than AJ Griffin. I think AJ Griffin would. I'm not like AJ Griffin could be a good player, but I think he's more of like a ten to twelve lottery pick before he's a number seven, which is still really good. But I don't think I don't think Portland would be totally satisfied with getting a three and D role player at number seven. But moving on. Johnny Davis, the guard from Wisconsin. Eh, yeah, that might good be good for Port for not Portland, uh, the Pelicans. That might be good. I didn't watch him a lot. I kind of figured he was like guard version of Keegan Murray. But I don't know. I like what the Pelicans are doing. I like what the Pelicans are doing a lot. I don't know. I don't know what they need to be honest. Like they have CJ. They have. Jose Alvarado, they have Zion, they have Brandon Ingram, they have Valanchunas. What would Johnny Davis bring that they don't have? Like a backup guard? I mean, maybe a backup shooting guard? I don't know. I think that'd be okay. It'd be okay. But there's probably a better pick that I can't think of, but Johnny Davis is really good. He's really good. I could see it. Uh, number nine, Benedict Matherin. Benedict Matherin was pretty good. I know he had some weird thing go on like I can't remember I don't want to speak anything like ill of him without being totally sure of it but I can't remember he had some weird some weird I don't know legal thing maybe but purely basketball standpoint he was incredible right like Arizona was one of the best teams last season I mean they were the number ones not the number one overall but they were like if they were they were probably number two overall I can't remember off the top of my head but I think so and Benedict Matherin was like a big, big part of that. Which, good for Benedict. Because he's athletic, he can shoot. I know Arizona didn't go far, but um, I don't think that has any impact really. Unless it's like a total failure of the player to get them far. But um, 
I think I think I like Benedict Matherin. I think he's going to be a good player, but I don't know if he's going to be good in a San Antonio, right? Like San Antonio has so many guards and wings like DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson. Those are just three. And those are probably like you could substitute Lonnie Walker. He, you know, he's okay at this point. I just think he's going to be competing too much with their other wings slash like power forwards and I don't know if that'd work <clears throat> excuse me I don't know if that'd really work even though you know they're probably even if they take him they'll probably just send him to the G League because that's what they've done with every single rookie they don't play him at all or hardly at all and then the next year it's like oh crap this guy's incredible <laughs> All right, I'm going to do the top this next pick, and then I'm going to move on to some thoughts that I had on the Heat-Celtics game. But first, let's talk Jeremy So... I don't know how to say that. Uh, Sohan? Sochan? I'm going to say Sohan, because that sounds more right to me in my brain. I watched a couple Baylor games, and I see it. You know, he's definitely got the... Uh, if there's... If after tall guys that can shoot on NBA executives, like their big boards... If, that, if that's what they salivate the most at, then it's definitely um, forwards <laughs> that are uh, athletic and can shoot. And he just has that. He's just looked like an NBA guy for a long time because he's six foot nine, two thirty, and I think he had a pretty good three point percentage. If I if I don't if I recall, um, but it's like when I watch the games, he didn't do a lot, right? It was mostly um, I can't remember the name of Baylor's point guard, but he was really good. And um, they had some other guards that were doing stuff. But he was just, Jeremy was just kind of there. like, And for the Wizards to get a guy that's like just kind of there, which he's only 19, which, <laughs> shout out Jason Tatum. Um, he's only 19, but could be something more. I don't know, give him five years and maybe he's just kind of there, but now he has a three-point shot and can dunk sometimes. I don't know. It says that he could be Ben Simmons, which... <laughs> ben Simmons was really freaking good. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. So he also has Draymond Green. These are tough, tough comparisons, man. Two of the greatest defenders. I, mean, I won't say for Ben Simmons. I won't say that he for Ben that he's one of the greatest defenders ever. But he was, when he played, was an incredible defender. Such Same for Draymond Green, who is legitimately one of the best defenders ever. Aaron Gordon, that's probably more fair. I think best case scenario, he's probably Aaron Gordon. But anyway, let's move on to a little bit of Heat Celtics. I've talked about the draft for so long. I cannot go this long normally. <laughs> We're just feeling it out, folks. This is remember, this is the first episode. If this sucks, give me a break. I'm trying my best out here. I'm just I'm not a uh, NBA analyst. I'm just a dude who likes watching basketball. I didn't even play. I probably shouldn't out myself like that. I did not play in high school. I didn't even play in college. Most of the, the NBA analysts are like, if you didn't play in college, you can't talk about it. It's like, I didn't play at high school, middle school. I didn't play at any level. I'm just, I just enjoy watching the basketball. So if you think my takes are trash, there you go. You can hit me with the, uh, the stat nerd or I'm not even a stat nerd. I kind of am, but I don't remember any of the stats that I see. I'm just kind of, I look at this out and go, neat, and then I move on. But I don't, I'm not one of those guys that's on, like, Stat Muse or uh, 
the advanced stats. Anyway, so if you like it though, I don't know what you do for a podcast. I know for YouTube videos, you like and subscribe. <laughs> Whatever you do, follow it, I guess. Follow the pod. Follow Hoop Show on Spotify with Tyler Lindley. Me. Uh, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> let's move on, though. Let's move on to something that wasn't bad, which was Heat Celtics game. That was It was a fun game. I would say so. Uh, my first note that I wrote down while watching the game was that Gabe Vincent has the John Morant haircut, which I was kind of hoping uh, Gabe Vincent would be bad after I noticed that so I could make like a John Morant sucks joke, but turns out Gabe Vincent had a really good game. I won't say really good. He had a pretty good game. It hit some timely shots. So turns so hating is a full-time job. Um, that didn't work out for me for Gabe Vincent, which I was I was not actually hating. I was just like, It'd be kind of a funny aside, but like I wrote in the notes after, should Tyler Hero just start because Vincent sucks? But I legit, I think that'd be, I think until Struess came alive late in the game, I can't remember if it was in the second half, like in the third or fourth quarter when he hit a couple threes in a row, um, maybe not in a row, but like pretty soon within each other, um, I was legitimately thinking, should Tyler Hero just start with Gabe Vincent? I know that probably that's not what they do. Like Tyler Hero is definitely the six man guy. I mean, he won the six man of the year, so that may just be like the excuse me the uh, the place that he has on the team. But I mean, with how bad the Heat's uh, excuse me again, how bad the Heat stunk early in the game. Like they couldn't score, and the Celtics were scoring everywhere. I know Tyler Hero does not help your defense, but when he came into the game as the sixth man, game changed, right? The the Celtics offense was about the same, right? They stopped scoring a little bit because some other guys played defense, but as soon as Tyler Hero came into the game, he was um he was hitting shots, he was hitting guys on passes, you know, he was doing good. He was doing good stuff, and he changed. He he saved the Heat in that first quarter. Like the Heat were down multiple, like I want to say ten or eight to twelve points. I can't remember in the first half. And if Tyler Hero does not have that moment, this game could have been fifteen, seventeen. Right? They could have had a good second quarter, but I don't think the the momentum would not have carried very well. It would have been a tougher feat to do so. Um, Tatum had a great first half, but uh, the Heat that. Let's the infamous at this point, because uh, that's what everyone will be talking about, or already has talked about, is the Heat third quarter, when it was like thirty nine to fourteen. Which, oh my God, <laughs> I was texting um, my dad earlier, and I was like, "This is not obviously not a one to one, right?" But uh, this, I can't remember if it was the seventeen or eighteen Warriors that were so so good in the third quarter. Like they'd score seventy points in the first half. And then come out and score 45 in the third. And the game would be triple over by that time. Or if it wasn't over yet, like if the other team was keeping up with them scoring, then in the third quarter they'd just be gone with them, right? Blow them out of the water. And then the fourth quarter, rest everyone, and they do it all again, right? But the Heat, obviously, they don't do that all the time. They don't have like the Warriors third quarter, but it reminded me of that, where it's like the defense is really good, the scoring can't be stopped. They hit a bunch of threes. Jimmy Butler was the man, the absolute man, hitting tough shots, 
getting uh, Pritchard on some switches, which that was another note I had. Uh, I know Marcus Smart and Horford being hurt kind of makes this terrible for the Celtics because Horford would um, could defend Bam a little bit better, even though Bam will never in his life be aggressive for the life of me. <laughs> he, he chooses like one game out of the regular season, and then when it's time to punish Grant Williams, uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't even look. He's looking. He's like, Jimmy, where are you? I, need, I can't post up on the six-foot-six center. But... So maybe the Horford thing is not that big a deal, but he could have had some better offense, right? Like that's gonna help, that's gonna help him. But the big thing is Marcus Smart because it means you get to play uh, Peyton Pritchard less, which is great because I know he had a great game offensively, 18 points, hit some pretty cool threes, <laughs> but um, he he can't be out there for defensive purposes, right? Because then. As soon as as soon as Jimmy Butler wanted to score, he was just like, "Okay, well, I'm just gonna get the switch. I'm gonna come set up a screen, and now I got little Peyton Pritchard on me. I'm gonna post up. I'm gonna hit a mid range fader, or I'm gonna uh, post spin, or back him down, or do something to get free throws. You know, it was barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken was Peyton Pritchard. I also just think Peyton Pritchard. He has the worst look ever. My roommate said that he looked like a 2k generic player because he has no drip on he has no like sleeves no headband no nothing and he has like a shaved head and i just i think he he's every time he hits a three i'm like it just looks like i don't know like a sixth grader playing like they gave a sixth grader steroids and gave him the ability to hit three-point shots and now he's playing in the nba but he's still in the sixth grade <laughs> i don't Good for him, though. He had 18 points, so I can't hate that much. But And then second half, Jimmy is the absolute guy. We all know this. 27 points second half, 41 points overall. I loved when the, he was at 39 and he just kept trying to do like stuff to get to 41, and then he did, and it was it was vindicating for me because I was like, I would not have. If I had his, if I was in ever a similar situation, I would not have got it. Like... It's like, oh, Tyler needs one more point to get 10 points. And it's like, oh, wow, keep on giving him the ball. And I just miss every shot, every single one. So respect to Jimmy for doing something I could never do. <laughs> um, so let's project a little bit here. So overall, you know, game two or game one uh, was mostly about the Celtics being down smart and Horford and then getting obliterated in the third quarter. Because the first two, they were beating the Heat. And in the last one, there was kind of a stalemate. Like, it was kind of back and forth, similar uh, quarter. So it's not necessarily a loss. But the third quarter was just such a great loss that they lost the whole game. So I think, you know, um, I, I know that they didn't look – they looked terrible in that third quarter because the Heat were just looked so good. And, you know, in comparison, the Celtics were trash. But I think um, – they still have a great shot at the series. Um, we can't count people out after going down 1-0. <laughs> unless it's like they lost by like 70, which shout out the Phoenix Suns. Um, <laughs> so I, I still think the Celtics have a great the Celtics have a great chance at winning this. They could probably steal a game at home. It might be tough without Smart and Horford. They really need those guys back. If they don't get them back, the Heat probably win the series. And, you know, 
I like. I, I think that's cool. I think if the Heat won the series, that'd be cool. I'm a big Jimmy Butler guy, obviously. I liked them. Uh, and I guess it's not that obvious, <laughs> but um, I really liked his run in, in 2020 in the bubble. Even though people call them bubble frauds, <laughs> he was like, "That's not. He's not a bubble fraud to me. He is not fraudulent to me." I I, I liked the run a lot. I thought it was great, but um. So I, I think that'd be I think that'd be cool if they won, and if the Celtics end up winning, that'd be cool too. First, I have no dog in the actual fight. Obviously, I'm not. I don't have friends in the NBA, even though that'd be kind of sick. That'd be really cool. Um. I I think, I think it either one would be a cool win. So let's talk a little bit about Mavs Warriors. I don't have too many thoughts on this. I think the Warriors are going to win. I think a lot of people are. Um, sipping the Kool-Aid on the Mavs right now just because of how cool they were in the uh, Game 7. Like, that was an incredible uh, performance, by the way. Uh, shout out the Phoenix Suns for being trash on the most important game that that core group has ever played. And then just falling apart. Maybe not the most important game. That's a little bit of a stretch. But certainly the most important game this, this playoffs for them. And they crumbled Chris Paul crumbled. Devin Booker crumbled. DeAndre Ayton beyond crumbled. Didn't even have the chance to crumble because his coach benched him for the second half. Um, but I think a lot of people are sipping the Luka Kool-Aid, which I love. I love Luka. Don't get me wrong. Luka is a, is a cool guy who, um, <laughs> who doesn't, like, work, barely works out and drops 40 points per game on pretty good efficiency from the field not good efficiency from three but you know who just does everything while looking like just a, a guy looking like me <laughs> and i feel i feel vindicated every time i watch i'm like i should be doing that i have i'm just like a foot shorter version of that i should just be that but i'm not because he's incredibly good at basketball um but i still think the warriors are gonna win people said that the warriors got exposed <laughs> Versus, like, the Memphis Grizzlies, which I think Memphis got exposed more than anything. Because I know they didn't have jaw, but the fact that, I don't know, I, I just think the fact that they, like, lost two games to the Timberwolves, and then they won a few games without jaw, like, versus the Warriors, I don't think it's that good. I think, I, when I watch them, I'm like, okay, they definitely have, like, the numbers of, like, a team that's really good, but... It just doesn't, when I watch them, like, I don't see a really good team. I see a young team that needs to, like, take the next step. When I watch the Warriors play, though, I feel like, oh, yeah, championship. These guys could win it easily. Like, they they, they have a, a tough task with the Mavs, obviously. And then if they do win that series with whoever. But I just see, like, championship pedigree, obviously. Like, Steph Curry, Clay, Dre, those are the core group. The group that got me into basketball, really. So maybe I'm being a little biased here. I could, uh, I'll admit because that was I did start watching basketball when Steph Curry became super good, which kind of dates me a little bit. Because it's not like that was a long time ago. It's the fact that that wasn't too long ago, <laughs> which may influence my takes. But um, you know the Warriors are super good. Jordan Poole he hasn't been that guy that he was in the first round. Oh, but um, he is definitely still the, uh him, if you will. He's definitely that guy, a little bit. 
maybe not totally that guy, but he he's still really good. And then Clay, if he can, you know, I don't know what he's doing sometimes when he takes these super contested shots. Like he's one of the greatest shooters ever. But some of these shots, I don't I don't really get. I don't understand it, Clay. But um, I, I do predict the the Warriors will win. I don't know if it'll be in six or seven. Because I feel like the Mavs can definitely pull out two games, without a doubt, in my opinion. Um, Luca is plays really good at home. That's not even what I really. I wanted to say the role players play good at home. I know Dinwiddie had thirty on the road versus the Suns in Game Seven, but shooters shoot better at home. It's just a fact. I don't know if that's a real fact, but it makes sense in my mind. And. Davis Bertans, he's going to hit like two, three threes that he should not have hit or would not hit in Golden State when he plays in Dallas. It's just a fact. This is what's going to happen. Same with Dinwiddie. He's going to do some stuff that you're like, what the heck? Where was this in Golden State? And I don't think – I think two, two or three. That's the max. I don't, I don't see the Mavs winning. I know Luka's – I heard some people talk about this on another podcast today where it was – um. Luka's going to have, um, the way the Warriors defend is that they load up on the role players, the other guys, and say, okay, let the superstar, is he going to drop 70? Is he going to, no, probably not, which Luka might. At this point, we, I'm, I'm sipping enough of Luka Kool-Aid to be like, oh, he could definitely drop 70 points, but the Mavs will still lose. <laughs> I'm drinking the Luka Kool-Aid, not the Mavs Kool-Aid, I guess, as a whole, but the way the Warriors defend is that they do block out the role players a little bit more, so no more open threes for Reggie Bullock or Dorian Finney-Smith. It's like, we'll just let Luka do his step back 40 times a game and see if that works. If it does, tip your cap, but he's not going to do it three, four times. And I I could see that. I could see Luka's numbers being incredible. We, we, we know this. He's an incredible player. But I don't see them beating the Warriors four times out of seven. And people were saying Steph's been the best player in the playoffs. I don't get that either. Like, they were like, it's the best player left in the playoffs isn't Steph or Luka. It's Jimmy Butler, which that's also wrong. But, because, I don't know. Steph has not been the best player. If you watch the games, it's like, okay, he's doing normal Steph stuff, but not like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. He's not been incredible. Like, we normally expect that of Steph. He's been really, really good, though. Don't get me wrong. Um, so that's happening. The Mav that Mavs Warriors game is happening later tonight of May 18th, which is when I am recording this. So I think that is all I have on NBA thoughts for now. So thank you all for tuning into the first episode of Hoop Show with Tyler Limley, me. Um, if you like it, uh, rate it or something. I don't know. Uh... Yeah, that's about it. All right. Signing off. Peace out, folks.